0: And welcome to our clown old KRT Thanksgiving feast. I'm your host for this week, Tyler Green.
1: My name is Randy. I am the turkey Joe's Biden decided to let die. <laughs> oh, I'm also going to have the shit promoted out of me at Chuck E. Cheese for some
2: reason. I'm Kitty Quinn, and there's no way you can't prove that I'm not secretly Ronald McDonald.
0: <laughs> More like Kitty Clown. The last episode was just a shitload of cat puns. Now get ready for a shitload of clown puns.
2: And I suppose Thanksgiving puns, where the whole time we're like, Thanksgiving is a delicious, delicious lie. (laughs) (laughs) The parade is cool, but the racist family members are not. Thanksgiving is basically the Matrix. When you take the blue pill, you get a delicious dinner, as well as a giant-ass parade with tons of drunk people, and a bunch of crazy family members over football. Then when you take the red pill, you see that it's all built on genocide.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But thanks to social distancing, we won't be able to have any of that this year.
2: Hooray!
0: (laughs) But that doesn't mean we can't celebrate Thanksgiving, and what better way to do that than with a show from Canada.
2: Hooray!
0: (laughs) More specifically, The Big Comfy Couch, which ran from 1992 to 2006.
2: Wait, it was not that long?
0: Yeah, apparently. They did like a couple hiatuses too, so that might be why. Huh.
2: You know, I'm genuinely surprised this one never got a reboot, and I'm not sure why. I guess maybe it's just because I see all, like, the Bob the Builders and the Doras and the Peter Rabbits, I guess, and the Olivias all get reboots, but then I see this. Don't forget the Barney movie that's coming up.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, we forgot to talk about that on the Barney episode we did.
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so, anyway, how about we get into our history with Big Comfy Couch, given it was on that long?
0: Absolutely. I will get into my history with it first since I am the beloved host. No, I'm kidding.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The beloved clown host.
0: So I did watch a lot of it as a kid. This was actually one of the shows that I've probably watched religiously growing up and I can't really explain why. And I remember this specific holiday special because I had a VHS of it. So I watched it probably incessantly. So
2: I kind of have a weird history with it. Basically, the way I discovered it one day was at a sleepover birthday party. Basically, I was at this party where I didn't really know anybody. It was kind of just a uh, I was invited because the... Family wanted as many girls as possible so they could take us all somewhere or something. I don't know. Anyway, I remember being so bored that eventually like the next morning when I woke up super early, the mom really wanted me to be quiet. So then she offered me the chance to just watch one of the VHS tapes we had quietly so then I wouldn't bug everybody else. One of them was Big Comfy Couch. I don't remember what episode specifically. It might have been one of the season one ones, but yeah, that was my introduction to it in the weirdest way, and it's a reminder that I was a lonely child.
0: <laughs> Aww. Who wasn't though?
2: Aww. <laughs> Although I actually didn't get super, super into it until, of all places, middle school, where I begin to find more episodes uploaded on YouTube, Back in the days where it was uploaded into a million parts like every anime.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And now some specific YouTube channel is just uploading full episodes, but they're getting half the titles wrong, so...
1: Personally, The Big Comfy Couch is one of my favorite animes. (laughs) When I get the editing skills to do that, I will make that a thing, I swear to God. All right, my experience with The Big Comfy Couch, um, I cannot remember how I watched it, I feel like we had some VHS tapes, but, like, for some reason, my memory tells me that it was on PBS Kids.
2: So, was it? Yeah, it was actually from the 90s, I believe, for a short time.
0: It was definitely on one of my PBS affiliates, NJN, back in the day. So, that's pretty much where I usually just watched it.
1: So, it was probably definitely on, like, WGBH at one point. That's how I saw it, and I could swear we had some tapes. What I do remember was that I also had a book of it. I don't know. I was a big, big Comfy Couch fan as a kid, I guess. (laughs) And, like, you mentioned that show to my mom. She will bring up how obsessed I was with it when I was, like, really little. So, like, I had this, like, book. I can't remember for the life of me what the book was, but I bet if I do enough research, I'll find it. And if I do find it, I will
2: put it on the Twitter account. So, look out for that. Please, oh my god. (laughs) You know, ironically, my mom says that I was super big into Gola Gola Island as a kid, which very valid. That show slaps. But I was like, huh, I don't really remember that. But I guess in a way maybe it was just one of those things that kind of sticks in the back of my mind because I remember that when I was watching Kids for Character for the first time and I saw Binya Binya in there, I was like, oh yeah, I was obsessed for a time. Because he's
0: such a good boy he is oh <laughs> uh, yeah we stand benya benya in this house
2: yes i feel
1: like part of the reason we don't remember being obsessed with this was because around the time we were obsessed with this our brains really only had like three little wrinkles in it i'm sure so <laughs> like our brains were not fully developed enough to remember being obsessed with it but our parents sure fucking remember <laughs> pretty much all the wrinkles in my brain are at this point are gay and weed so
0: we were just talking about how this show aired a lot on PBS which a surprisingly a decent amount of people remember this show to the point where I'll sometimes see memes like you're not a real 90s kid if you haven't seen this show <laughs> <laughs> which if you haven't seen this show you aren't a true 90s kid even if you did grow up in the 90s this <laughs> you freak
2: <laughs> oh man. I remember that I found this one tweet that was about how you may not like it but this is the ideal male image and it was a picture of Major Bedhead and Allison Court herself <laughs> retweeted <What>? that.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I've never seen that.
2: <laughs> yeah, on her Twitter it's on there. <laughs> also, Wait, was it
0: was this recent?
2: Yeah, she retweeted it like sometime in October. By the way, she's on oh, our my god. side. Woo. <laughs> Also,
1: to add on to that, like, 90s kid thing, I don't care if you were born in 1989. If you've never seen The Big Comfy Couch, go listen to 100 gecks with the rest of the Gen
2: Zers, you (laughs) 2000ite. You know, another thing that makes this show stick out in a lot of people's minds is that the cast itself actually went on to do a lot of things. Like, Allison Court herself became a huge voice actress. She was jubilee in the X-Men cartoon series.
0: Obligatory lunette was in Resident Evil joke.
2: (laughs) Yes! Oh, man.
0: (laughs) Also, I found the major bedhead tweet, and it's fucking amazing. I am retweeting it as we speak, so...
2: The only way for any body image to be is to be a clown. Just... Have a clown nose, you're good to go. <laughs> I'm
1: looking up some of her other work, and I see this thing from 1997 called Elvis Meets Nixon, and that's kind of something <laughs> I should
2: probably check out later. Uh, there was a movie in 2016 called Elvis and Nixon, which was directed by, I believe, the director of Hustlers. So then it starred like Michael Shannon and a very certain cancelled actor who played Popper in A Bug's Life yeah we don't talk about that
0: oh yeah I, i'm looking at the cash list for elvis meets nixon right now and allison court in that movie plays priscilla presley so
2: holy shit yeah lunette is priscilla <laughs> presley
0: yes she was wow. married
2: to michael jackson oh wait that was lisa presley i'm sorry <laughs> that was her daughter but now i'm kind of dying she's
1: just like well my husband's been dead for like 20 years now, I might as well marry Michael Jackson.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we are definitely going to look into Elvis meets Nixon.
1: Oh god, yes. Now
0: I'm curious.
1: (laughs) That is actually based on a true story, I think. I think I remember reading about Elvis meeting Nixon and I think most of that meeting was like talking shit about the Beatles being communists. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if I remember
2: correctly, I'll have to watch it and see if that was true. Walt Disney, Richard Nixon, and Elvis Presley all handshake and how much they hate communism. <laughs> and the Beatles. <laughs> anyway, what I was about to say was that one of Allison Court's very, very first film roles is, and I'm not kidding, Follow That Bird.
0: Oh yeah, that's right.
2: Oh shit, really? Yeah, she was a little girl on the farm that Big Bird wandered onto, so that was... Oh,
0: shit. Also in that movie is uh, Joe Flaherty and Dave Thomas from SCTV. So you can tell that there's a little bit of a Canadian influence in that movie. So
1: Nice. You know who else is in Follow That Bird? Your mom? Ah, <laughs> I wish. Chevy Chase. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> Follow That Bird is like a crossover between SCTV and SNL. <laughs> so Oscar the Grouch wasn't the <laughs> grumpiest person in that movie. Yeah. Uh, Surprisingly enough, Oscar the Grouch was actually much easier to work with than Chevy Chase.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, John Candy was in the movie too. He, he had a cameo.
2: Yeah, I remember that. Oh my god. This was the Avengers of comedians of the 80s. <laughs> and it was a Sesame Street movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thankfully, no Cosby. <laughs> And then a fun fact is that the guy who plays Major Bedhead, Fred Stinson, also has quite a career himself. He was in Muppet Family Christmas as one of the puppeteers. He was in Groundling Marsh. And in addition, he was in, of all things, Bride of Chucky as one of the minor puppeteers. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, you got to work with Jennifer Tilly, you lucky bastard.
0: (laughs) I'm just picturing him on screen in the Major Bedhead outfit, standing in for Chucky during the scene where he drops the toaster in the bathtub that Jennifer Tilly's in. (laughs)
1: hey if we can remake the banana splits
2: as a horror movie we can remake the big comfy couch as like an it type horror movie you know there was actually a video i was watching before this that was from around the time it chapter two came out it was in stephen colbert where stephen king and james mcavoy and bill scarzard they were all talking about positive clown facts and i was just thinking positive clown facts lunette big comfy couch exists (laughs) that is a very
1: positive (laughs) clown fact
2: well, no, but it was the one that just randomly came into my head. Although one line that wouldn't leave my head during it was when Stephen King is just like,
0: Fun fact, you have a much higher chance of being killed by a mime than a clown. And worse, they'll never say a word.
1: Oh, shit. Yeah, why are clowns the scary ones? Mimes are like, a
2: million fucking times scarier. Yeah, Trent from Total Drama Island was justified in his fear. <laughs> At least clowns speak and make noise.
1: Mimes are just like, what do you want? Why aren't you telling me anything? I know nothing and that makes me scared.
0: It's funny that you guys mentioned the it craze of 2016 because there's actually a video of Allison Court reprising her role as Lunette the Clown. Ooh. On a Canadian talk show called 22 Minutes, where she dispels the myth that all clowns are creepy, and I highly recommend this video. People
1: are afraid of us because we look different. Well, it's getting so bad that it's not even safe for a clown to hitchhike alone on a deserted highway at night! Why would you want to do that? That's not funny. It's terrifying. Um, Have you ever driven anywhere with clowns, Mark? Yeah, sometimes there's eight to nine, even 12 of us in a car.
2: You'd get out and hitchhike, too. I gotta watch that. Yes, I gotta
0: watch that. Yeah, I'll send it to you guys after this. But uh, (laughs) Also worth noting, too, this is the first time she actually played Lunette since 2002 before she was wrongfully recast.
2: Right? Oh my god. Uh, Like, no disrespect to Ramona Gilmore-Darling. I'm sure she's a perfectly nice person, but I'm sorry. Maybe it was just the writing they had for Luna at the time. Maybe it was just the fact that they turned her really annoying in those seasons. But uh, she tried her best, but it just wasn't worth it.
0: (laughs) They turned her into Baby Bop, basically.
2: (laughs) Imagine recasting Luke
1: Skywalker with Patrick Stewart. Like, he's a good actor, but it just
0: doesn't work. My mind's just going to that George of the Jungle 2 joke. Who the heck are you? Me new George. Studio too cheap to pay Brendan Fraser.
2: Nah, it'd be more like replacing Luke Skywalker with like, Steve Gutenberg or something. I think my
1: brain just went to Patrick Stewart because of those Uber Eats commercials that keep popping up. (laughs) With like, Patrick Stewart and Mark Hamill like, doing stuff together. Just duking
2: it out in various forms which are awesome, by the way. Yes. I feel like it's very clear they didn't get Shatner for obvious goddamn reasons. (laughs) Besides, Patrick Stewart as Luke Skywalker could actually be pretty awesome. (laughs) So when are we getting Mark Hamill as Captain Picard? Yes. (laughs) Or as
1: his character on American Dad. (laughs) Yes. You know what? Why don't we
2: recast Mark Hamill as the poop emoji while we're at it?
1: Oh, God. (laughs)
2: Oh, another thing I was going to say, another big star in this is Tabora Johnson, who's actually a pretty well-known gospel singer, and she got her start on Hair on Broadway, Ooh. and she's had quite a few roles in animation. She and Allison Court were actually also together in Star Wars Ewok, Star Wars Droids, and then she had quite a few other voice acting roles. Oh, and I should add that she plays Auntie Macassar on this show.
0: <laughs> also, I, I do want to point this out, because this is easily my favorite fact about her, she did backing vocals on a little song you might have heard of called Super Freak.
2: Oh, shit. She Super Freak. Oh, my God. Yes, she
0: did. <laughs> yeah, she was a backing vocalist for Rick James for a period.
2: The I'm Rick James bitch Super Freak.
0: Yes, very same.
2: Oh, my God. So that means that she's also in Hammer Time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, all. Tyler here. After doing some Googling, I happened to come across an article on a website called WestEndPhoenix.com, which featured an interview with Tabora Johnson that was originally published in 2018. It's a fascinating article that goes over some of her career and activism highlights, but there was one section of the article that caught my eye. According to Tabora, she was performing with Rick James and the Mary Jane Girls at the 1982 American Music Awards when Rick James had yelled at her during the rehearsal for some reason, ending with, and I quote, I'm Rick James, bitch! And who should be there to witness it but a young Dave Chappelle who just so happened to be a seat filler that night. And as you all know, that led to the infamous Chappelle Show sketch that we know and love today. While she mentions that she wasn't fond of that particular incident, she later watched the sketch and ended up enjoying it. I highly recommend checking this article out regardless because Tabora shares some interesting tidbits about her career, so I'll post a link to it on our Twitter. And now, back to the podcast. So basically Tabora Johnson is anti-McCaster in real life.
2: Nice. Yes. <laughs> Another fun fact is that the guy who plays um sorry, was it Mr. Wobbly or was it Uncle Wobbly? No, Mr. Wobbly,
0: sorry. <laughs> Wobbly
2: wobbly wobbly
0: i can't wait to talk about wobbly just
2: yes that's gonna be fun a fun fact is that he also has quite a prevalent film career he was in dead man in by jim jarmusch as well as ghost dog the way of the samurai he was in smoke signals yeah he's a pretty well-known indigenous actor which is pretty cool
0: funny enough i confused him for the guy who played barney from the amanda show (laughs)
2: and I could see it. (laughs) Because it's a world where every single person is a clown, it also means that they have their own traditions. So that means that their version of Thanksgiving is basically the Feast of Fools. Sadly, not the Feast of Fools as it was in France, as well as the Festival of Fools and Hunchback of Notre Dame. (laughs) As soon as I saw that title, Topsy Turvy
1: just has not left my head since... (laughs) <laughs> I forgot the word, so it's just the song.
0: My mind keeps going to the Doors song, Ship of Fools. <laughs> clown Jim Morrison probably does exist in the Big Comfy Couch universe.
2: <laughs> and then clown Oliver Stone has probably made a biopic about him at some point.
0: <laughs> clown Oliver stone
2: have you guys ever seen the ben stiller show
0: i haven't no i know of it
2: it's so good is it a ben stiller comedy <laughs> but there's one segment where um i forgot who plays him but someone plays oliver stone and they have like this parody of oliver stone land and then they they take you on a ride that's like all of his movies one of them is like the doors movie and then you're just in the scene where the house is on fire and then like the ladies just opening <laughs> the door, like jim 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was <great. laughs> uh, i gotta watch that
2: you can tell that this is totally about big comfy couch at this point <laughs> you know what we're having too much fun <laughs>
0: <laughs> metaphorically we are all clowns in this twisted universe
2: send in the clowns
0: <laughs> <laughs> when you want to scream put away that frown and never be scared of a clown
1: Speaking of sad clown songs, I'm about to butcher the shit out of this song. But I don't know the words.
0: Okay, so Pagliacci probably does exist in the big comfy couch universe, but <laughs> instead of a clown, he's just a normal human being.
2: But, Doctor, I am Lunette. <laughs> Bozo, Krusty the Clown, Clown TV, oh my god, Chuko, Chuko. Every single bit of clown media basically exists as the big comfy couch, but instead of clowns, they're all just regular humans in there. And meanwhile, the movie Joker and It, they're about like regular humans terrorizing clowns. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, did you guys hear about that scandal in 2016 with the people in Clowntown going around scaring people dressed as regular humans?
2: Yeah, where there was like a big conspiracy that human killers were going around killing innocent clowns. (laughs) So what's going on with Harley Quinn in that universe? Does
1: she just dress like a regular lady? Or does she have the outfit? I'm so
2: fucking over humans.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sometimes Harley Quinn does dress normally. Sometimes she doesn't. It just depends on the day. So that makes it even more confusing.
2: <laughs> it's so funny whenever people get all angry now, they're like, oh, when's she going to go back to her regular outfit? It's like, you all I'm not a big fan of the Suicide Squad outfit either, but her new outfits literally represent her break free from Joker. It's like... <laughs> At this point, her outfits are less like a typical
1: Harlequin clown, and they're just kind of more representative of just the character herself. And I fucking love that. Literally. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: All right, so let's get into how the episode starts. So it begins with Lunette and Molly, a clown in her die. Oh, wait. <laughs> you know what? Before I do that, we need to talk about the theme song real quick because it fucking slaps. It does. It does.
2: It's so good.
0: It's one of the all-time greats of 90s kid show themes.
1: It tunnels its way through your brain and refuses to leave.
2: Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to clown? I think that anybody even the people who aren't really 90s kids they can get just a note of this song in their head and then they'll be humming along forever like oh get ready are you ready ready? (laughs) are you ready are you ready (laughs) you know, um, one other thing I forgot to mention in the intro is that one of my favorite things about this show is that it manages to make an adult playing a child character not creepy. Like
0: Yes, I was going to talk about that because that is one of my least favorite tropes in kids media because there are a lot of weird shows that do that.
2: The knock-knock show. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah just wait till we get to that episode we're teasing a lot of stuff today but
2: Uh,
0: yeah the knock knock shows one of them what's another one
2: um there was also like that really fucking creepy section in that walt disney world christmas special in 1976 where those grown-ass adults play babies it's like what the Uh, fuck uh. was that
0: oh yeah shields and Yarnell.
1: Uh, ew ew ew
2: (laughs) what the fuck was up with that That whole special had so many issues. (laughs) I guess you can count, like, every instance of where an adult plays a teenage character, but even that's not nearly as creepy unless it's, like, so obvious, like, in Greece or something. (laughs) See, I feel like
1: there's a difference between adults playing teenagers because teenagers are just kind of, like, a young, still-developing version of adults, basically. True, true. Whereas, like, children and babies is just a whole other fucking ballpark. Because, like, there are some teenagers that look like adults and some adults that look like teenagers,
2: so... The only time I'll tolerate it is when it's voice acting, and even then, it's on thin fucking ice. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at least in this show, you kind of forget that Lunette's supposed to be a kid.
1: She's just kind of, like, a clown- She's just kind of like a
0: character. Like, everyone in this show is just supposed to be weird and silly and exaggerated, and that's really why it works, in this show at least.
1: I I feel like age is barely a thing in the clown world. They just kind of hatch from eggs and just decide to, you know, (laughs)
2: vibe on their own time. I mean, that does explain why she doesn't have any goddamn parents. It's (laughs) like, does she even have a house? Or does this couch just exist in the middle of nowhere and she just has like some rooms near it? That's it? Is it like, (laughs) we never see the outside of where she lives. So I'm just like, I'm just going to assume she goes into another dimension and then Granny Garbanzo lives in like like the universe parallel to it or something. (laughs) Maybe she has a roommate who's just sick of her shit. Eventually, kids are going to see this show and they're just going to be like, oh boy, I can make my couch big and comfy too. They're just going to like jump into their couch and get stuck underneath. or They're just going to see couches right on the street and just jump right (laughs) into them.
0: I definitely did try to shove stuff in my couch because of this show. I will say that.
2: (laughs) So I'm guessing her couch works like Mary Poppins' bag because that can only explain why it still doesn't- why it has an opening on the bottom, but shit isn't, like, constantly falling down and the only thing underneath is dust. (laughs) So I'm a pizza
1: delivery guy, and one of the streets that I find myself driving down the most just has this fucking- it's not even in front of a house or anything, it's just a couch on the sidewalk, abandoned. And I've pretty much decided that that's where she lives.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sounds about right. So the episode starts off with Lunette and Molly playing doctor. And Lunette has this weird makeshift stethoscope with a plunger on it and a vacuum tube.
2: Yeah, that was like, okay, so she has all that other stuff in her couch, but she doesn't have a regular stethoscope. So she doesn't make one like that plunger. If it gets stuck to somebody's chest is going to like rip off somebody's skin. (laughs) Or it's just gonna, like, stretch it out really far. It's just gonna have, like, a giant mass. (laughs) Oh no, I took Molly's heart out! And now I'm (laughs)
1: cancelled. See, the first mistake here is that Molly does not have a heart. She cannot die or be (laughs) killed. She is simply a demon of pure chaos possessing a doll.
0: Which explains a lot, but that also explains the Foley family in the dollhouse.
1: I feel like all this shit in Lunette's house... Would be sold on eBay in the metaphysical category as like haunted toys and shit. <laughs> like,
2: take it off my
0: hands.
1: It's
2: free. Please, I'll even pay for your shipping. Just get it out of here.
0: This is just more impetus for the big comfy couch horror movie that we're gonna write in like two years.
2: The metaphysical
1: side of eBay makes no sense. It's like, here, give me a hundred dollars, and I'll give you this doll that has a literal demon attached to it. Now your house is fucked up. <laughs> but you paid a hundred dollars for this. This is a actual thing on ebay just just look up haunted dolls on ebay
2: this is like an actual whole entire thing you know i'm just a little disappointed that the big comfy couch doesn't have couch gags like the Simpsons. (laughs) like just imagine all the gags that they could do
0: (laughs) yeah but that would probably just be too much effort to do for each episode and they would probably because it's easier in animation not so much in live action that's
1: true the big comfy couch gag where Rick and Morty fucking dissolve Lunette and they have to go clone her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Oh my god Morty we we
2: just killed Lunette. Now on Disney (laughs) Plus. Oh
1: god oh god Rick what have we done? (laughs)
0: Also, they have clown noses.
1: Mort- Morty, she's she's one of the most beloved children's television characters, and, w- and we just killed her. Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> also, alongside BJ, Molly would probably still find Pickle Rick hilarious. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, you just see the little thought bubble manifest next to her. It's just a fucking picture of Pickle Rick.
0: Okay, so it's the dust bunnies from the big comfy couch, but one of them is turned into a pickle. <laughs> And Lunette picks one up. She's like, hey, what's this pickle doing on the floor? And she bites it. She (laughs) takes a large bite out of it. (laughs) And then blood just starts dripping from her mouth. And she's just, this juice tastes funny.
1: Hey, this isn't bad. And she just keeps eating it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) By the way, the dust bunnies aren't in this episode. So, sorry, guys.
1: Sorry. Sorry, dust bunnies fans.
0: So, yeah. So, then Lunette gets a call from Granny Garbanzo saying that they're going to be having the Feast of Fools. Mm. Title drop. Yes.
1: Gasp. <laughs> Which is basically, I I, I guess, Canadian Thanksgiving? Yeah.
0: Basically, yeah.
1: giving basically. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can't believe they didn't call it that.
1: I would like to apologize to any Canadians I've offended. You guys have a very good country, much better than ours.
0: <laughs> you gave us SCTV, what can we say, you know? You gave us Rick Moranis.
1: Yeah, but she also gave us Johnny Tests, so let it, let us bite back just a little bit.
2: Although for some reason, before she picks up the phone, she picks up a shoe and she's just like, hello, and it's like.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, and before that, when she's checking Molly's quote unquote heartbeat, she does this weird thing where she's like, oh, snappy beat. Or something like that. And, like she's just like pretending like it's an actual beat or something.
1: Lunette be in
2: the studio, like, yeah, this sounds like a human heart. Yeah, Molly's having a heart attack.
0: <laughs> Oop, cardiac arrest, thought.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so then they decide to practice table manners. And so then they're sitting at this tiny little table, so she just pulls that out of the couch. And then they just sit down and then Molly just starts going like <laughs> It's like how does she even eat? She's a doll.
0: Here's the thing that confuses me, too, is that Molly doesn't talk. So, like, she just communicates in thought bubbles. So how is she able to vocalize slurping when she can't even say anything else?
2: I guess maybe it's kind of like the cat in Pinocchio, how he can make, like, various little noises but he can't actually talk.
1: Molly should have been voiced by Mel Blanc, first of all. Yes.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so then Lunette is all, Molly, that's rude. And so then they go over table manners and it's like, don't open your mouth like this. It's rude. And it's like, well, you're being rude, Lunette, by constantly not letting Molly do what she wants.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And she gives her shit for putting her elbows on the table too when nobody else ever gives a shit about that.
1: I would like to thank Lunette for teaching table manners to the generation of adults who now sit in their bedrooms and eat Cap'n
2: Crunch for dinner. I sit in my car and eat my Thai leftovers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And she's smug about it too, about the elbow thing.
2: Molly
1: Molly, if you're able, your elbows off the table. I could literally hear Molly saying, shut the fuck up, Lunette. We're in our
2: own goddamn (laughs) house.
0: You passive aggressive piece of shit.
2: This isn't even real food, and plus the table's gonna be a fucking mess during the face of fools anyway, so why does it matter?
1: (laughs) First of all, we are clowns. Why the fuck does table manners matter to us? When we are like the originators of slapstick comedy,
2: <laughs> literally. And then Lunette picks up her fork and knife to kind of show her, but she's doing it over the cup. So I'm just like, um, is she gonna cut the soup right open? It's like, <laughs> 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 is that supposed to be real soup?
1: Like, like it's one thing to eat pizza with
2: a fork and knife. It's a whole
1: other thing to eat soup with a fork and knife. Cause how the fuck are you doing that? Especially if
2: you're cutting open the cup for God's sake. <laughs>
0: Then we get the uh, clock rug stretch, which, hot take, I never really cared for it that much.
2: Eh, I think it's alright. It's kind of a time waster, but it is kind of fun to watch, and sometimes I'd try to do it when I was a kid, and I'd nearly tear a ligament, so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they shouldn't
1: show advanced yoga to fucking toddlers.
2: And then one time after I did that clock stretch, I tried to do a front flip, and I accidentally smacked the wall and put a hole in it.
1: So you were a Kyle before it was cool. (laughs) She's changing
0: her name from Kitty to Kyle.
2: Except I don't punch shit when I'm angry, so...
0: (laughs) All I can really say about the clock rug stretch is that the music kind of slaps.
2: Yeah, that's true. I
1: kind of love that low-budget casio keyboard or whatever it's probably not a casio so if i got that wrong please harass me on twitter and the replies about it
0: hey i don't know either and i'm the resident musician here so
2: kind of sounds like it's a very rearranged version of the jeopardy theme song i guess <laughs> rest in peace alex trebek rest in peace alex trebek
0: god bless him But yeah, I have noticed that there's a lot of cheesy keyboard underscore music in this show, and that kind of adds to the charm of it for me.
2: It does, yeah. It's got a lot of really fun little moments. There's something about low-budget clown shows that we all just love, huh?
0: For some reason. Yay, more foreshadowing.
2: And then it cuts back to them at the tables. Then out of nowhere, Lunette decides to play waitress. And then Molly's just starts ordering donuts. And I'm just like, so does that mean she secretly talks like Homer in her mind? She's like, mmm, donuts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> She's Homer Simpson kin, yes.
2: Does she strangle her
1: son? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Clown college. You can't eat that. And speaking of dysfunctional families, we then pan over to the dollhouse where we meet The Foley family. I
1: fucking hate the Foleys.
2: They're scary. (laughs) We had Baby Bop discourse in one of the last episodes. This week, we all are in full agreement of the Foleys. The Foleys are fucking... It's unsettling as
1: shit. They're like these full-body fucking costumes and shit. They have no
2: (laughs) mouths.
0: Yeah, they have no mouths, so they just communicate through sound effects.
2: They have no mouths, so they must scream. (laughs) (laughs) They do, and that's the freaky part.
0: (laughs) I will say, while these segments are pretty well-mimed, part of what kills it for me is just the music underscoring it is so fucking annoying.
2: It is.
0: uh... It's it's just like this plinky plonky bullshit that I'm not even going to play it for you guys because that would require me having to listen to it while editing it, and I would (laughs) more than likely throw my computer out the window. So
1: You know what? I am going to get a clip of the Foley's, edit it, and replace the sounds with the Five Nights at Freddy's ambiance. So you will all understand how scary they are.
0: Oh, speaking of, uh, there's a video on YouTube of the Foley family, but there's like Family Guy clips edited in. So it's just they have the dialogue of Peter and Chris. It's, it's it's honestly amazing, but then again, the music kills it for me, so... I'll definitely link it on the Twitter, though.
1: It's just the fast motion combined with these weird full-body people costumes, combined with beady eyes and no mouth, and that weird chaotic music, and that weird, like, muffled muttering and screaming. I don't understand which executive looked at this and said, oh, yeah, yeah, put that on for small not yet fully developed brain children. That won't traumatize them.
0: Randy, if it helps, they got rid of them in the uh, final two seasons.
2: Oh, thank God. Fucking yeah. good.
0: <laughs> also worth noting, they never had any merch, which thank is a good thank thing.
2: Thank
1: fucking God.
0: <laughs> so even the executives probably knew deep down that it was a mistake.
1: This is one of those times where I will say they fully deserved the shaft.
0: <laughs> they fully deserve the shaft (laughs) okay so what happens in this dumb fucking segment so basically the mom and dad are getting ready to go to a party and
2: (laughs) i guess maybe they're also going to a feast of fools celebration i mean they are clowns
0: which where would they go exactly there's just the one singular dollhouse and they really don't there's like a side door that leads to another room So do they just jump down from there and just go somewhere? I don't know.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they live in that creepy dollhouse that looks like the backgrounds of Dr. Katz.
0: Oh, yeah. Those backdrops are so bland in a show where everything is just so vibrant and colorful.
2: That adds to the scariness. And so I guess they go into another dimension or something. Then their kid is basically walking out in like a greaser outfit. And they're just like, no, no, go change, go change. There's stupid sound effects. Then he comes out in a dress and he actually seems like he's really happy wearing the dress. But then they're like, no, no. So the Foley's are transphobic.
0: The Foley's son is non-binary and anti-fa. And his parents are on the wrong side of history. So I'll give him that at least
2: you know what, he'll escape his shitty family someday. Then they do like a weird thing where the house just shakes and he comes out in a welder's outfit. And when they, the steam happened around him, were they trying to do a Darth Vader reference with that? I swear to God, I heard Vader breathing. Maybe they (laughs) were? Yeah, I was hearing the heavy breathing. It was like, yeah, that has to be. Oh my God. (laughs) And like, maybe Boba Fett, but like with the breathing and the steam, it was like, no, that has to be Darth Vader. (laughs) (laughs) and now this family will get like three prequels about them
0: (laughs) also the mom and dad keep trying to kiss for some reason and the son just keeps cock blocking them with all these (laughs) different costumes
2: with what mouths do they just have lips inside their nose or
1: something (laughs) i don't want to think about how these creatures reproduce i don't want (laughs) to think about how these things kiss (laughs) (laughs)
2: and then all of a sudden actually this part kind of made me laugh just because it was so out of nowhere then it cuts to like a scene where he changes again and then he just randomly bursts out in a gorilla costume (laughs) that genuinely got a laugh out of me i don't know why how is
1: the realistic gorilla costume less terrifying than these like cartoonish clown caricatures
2: You basically half expect him to start saying, saying, well, um, George, they're on to us. Let's get out of here. Then just jump in (laughs) on horse and then just run out.
0: I'm looking at a picture of the Foley's right now and I just realized the mom kind of looks like the lady in the radiator from Eraserhead. Oh,
2: fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And so then finally, the kid just gets into his regular outfit, but with a bow tie. And they're like, finally, our stupid asses can finally go because we're just way too damn picky. It's like, it's the feast of fools. Just wear whatever you want.
1: I hate them. I hate them with every fiber of my being.
0: That music has been stuck in my head for... The majority of my life and it hasn't left and i want to die
2: i feel like we're gonna hear that music pop up in the back of like a really gross recipe video on like instagram or tiktok like somebody's just making one of those burgers that has like a cake on it and a donut and then you're just gonna hear that. Like, <laughs> <bunk,
0: bunk>, <laughs> no it just shows up in the middle of like a scene from one of the later nightmare on elm street movies where like freddy's using the power glove or something <laughs> you forgot the power glove part of me just imagines that there's probably like some lost foley sketch where like the dad dies or something like he slips on a banana peel or like a roller skate and he (laughs) just flies headfirst into the oven or something and and the door closes on him and it it takes like a minute for the mom and the son to notice because cartoon shenanigans and whatnot and by the time they notice that he's in there because he can't scream that by the time they get him out he's just turned into like a comically oversized gingerbread cookie version of himself
1: before you said that i was about to say that would make a real good creepy pasta absolutely <laughs> <laughs> the foley's fucking died
0: this is where my brain is at 8 months into quarantine you guys <laughs>
2: Now I want David Lynch to make a remake of Big Comfy Couch so he can make the Foley's like he did with his short film The Rabbits and just make them, like, secretly fucking terrifying. You just hear, like, the door open and someone screaming in the background. (laughs) I just want to
1: see Molly as the Eraserhead baby. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) (coughs) Yes! I've still never seen Eraserhead, but I just got HBO Max, so... It's so good. Watch it.
0: At least Molly is nice to look at. Yes.
1: (laughs) At least Molly is a bad bitch. Yes.
0: (laughs) Molly is a gay icon in some way.
2: Yes. She is a lesbian icon. You can't tell me otherwise.
0: (laughs) Hey, you. Yes, you. Are you a fan of Disney parks but are upset you can't go right now? Do you want your own chance to make some magic
1: happen? Do you like art, comedy, and tomfoolish shenaniganery? Then have we got
0: some good news for you! In an effort to help laid-off Disney cast members and similar park employees, At Thanks for Magic is hosting a 36-hour charity livestream. Set your calendars for noon Pacific Standard Time on Saturday, December 5th so we can all come together and say, Thanks for the magic! If you want to help make this happen, follow at ThanksForMagic on Twitter for updates. Together, we can make sure that those who helped us make magic get some magic in return.
2: So then the episode cuts back to Lunette, and then all of a sudden she hears her clock ringing in her couch, so then she pulls it out. And you know, I felt so dumb for realizing sticky hands have been around since the 80s because I was just like, sticky hands? I thought those weren't invented until like the 2000s. It's like, but I see them on the clock serving as like the hands on it. I'm like, oh, sticky hands did exist before then.
0: (laughs) It's basically like a giant comically oversized stuffed clock with Mickey Mouse hands on it. (laughs) And it has a red nose because everything has a red nose in this universe. Don't question it.
2: It's red nose day all the time. Dance, monkey, dance!
0: (laughs) They say while pelting red noses at you.
1: (laughs) Does the grass have, like, little tiny microscopic red
2: noses?
0: Don't think about it too much.
2: (laughs) Probably. Like, according to one episode, even the insects have clown noses, so...
0: (laughs) oh yeah that episode (laughs) we should talk about that real quick there's an episode of the big comfy couch where they talk about death (laughs) and they do not mince words at all with it
2: okay so that's a thing
0: like basically what happens is that lunette befriends a caterpillar and then the caterpillar dies
2: which i was half expecting that to turn into like a butterfly or something and just be a metaphor on metamorphosis or something but no they're like nope he did it's like what
1: the fuck? It used to dance and wiggle when I petted it like this. Now it's not moving at all. Well, Lunette, the caterpillar pickle is gone. What do you mean it's gone? It's right there. It's just not moving. No, sweetie. When I say that the caterpillar is gone, I mean that it's not alive anymore.
0: Like, for such a lighthearted show, that is just so dark.
1: I feel like they saw the Mr. Hooper episode of
2: Sesame Street, and they were like, oh, we can do that. I guess they don't do that bad a job with it, but it's just so bizarre. It's like, unlike Sesame Street, which was shown to be able to handle that kind of thing before, this was kind of like, what the fuck? (laughs) I I feel
1: like Sesame Street kind of gets the upper hand in it, because the guy who played Mr. Hooper actually did die. Yeah. Aside from, you know, just this random fictional character, so I feel like it was more effective because everyone on set had real emotions toward it, because like he actually died, whereas in this it's kind of just like, okay, you gotta start mourning this piece of pipe cleaner we decided is a caterpillar. <laughs>
2: so anyway then they're like okay we gotta get all ready for the party and so they go into the dressing room which i guess exists in their dimension then lunette is just going through a bunch of outfits and then at one point molly just finds a cowboy outfit and she's like sorry molly the wild west just doesn't suit you and i'm like fuck you you don't know that (laughs)
0: lunette is toxic and she needs to stop controlling her friend (laughs) her only friend who hangs out with her out of pity.
1: Molly should have just told her lunette, that is not for you to decide. Then she finally finds a dress for her
2: Then, I'm sorry, that dress looked ugly. Go back to the cowboy outfit. That looked fine.
0: Yeah, that was decent. It looked good, but like, the dress that she picked out just looked so uneven.
2: It it looks like a living room from 1987. It looks like a nightgown, basically. I was like, I mean, I guess if they were kind of going for it, your outfit has to be kind of silly. It's like, then I guess it's, Fine, I guess. It's just kind of like, yeah, but if it's supposed to be like a serious outfit, it's just kind of (laughs) bleh. Well,
1: it was the 90s back when every kid was forced to wear the gross dress their mom picked out for them.
2: Back when we got the cool aesthetics in fast food restaurants instead of the bland minimum versions.
0: (laughs) I don't know what you guys are talking about. I got hooked up with the finest suits from Sears back in the day.
1: Nice. (laughs) Oh, floral patterns from the 80s and 90s. You were an eyesore. So then they head over to Granny
2: Garbanzo's house, and then, well, actually first before that.
0: Yeah, before that, they do this scene where Lunette picks something out to take with them, because, like, you're supposed to take something with you to show thanks for it or whatever, and she picks, like, this weird walking man doll.
2: Yeah, it's called a limberjack man, so it basically does a little dance. (laughs) I'm a limberjack and that's okay.
0: And before she realizes that, she goes, Aw, humdinger! And I'm just assuming in my brain that humdinger is just the clown equivalent of motherfucker. (laughs)
1: Lunette was just saying the clown version of motherfucking shit. (laughs) Kind of like how Pooh has Oh Bother, which is his, like, (laughs) fuck.
2: I have had it with these humdingling snakes on this humdingling plane.
0: (laughs) Samuel L. Jack's clown.
1: (laughs) For real, though, we need Samuel L. Jackson in the big comfy couch. Yes! (laughs) I want to witness Samuel L. Jackson saying motherfucker while wearing
2: a big red nose. (laughs) (laughs) So then they head over to Granny Garbanzo's, and so then we get to meet Wobbly. And who is Wobbly, you may ask?
0: oh man okay so here's the funny thing so wobbly does show up in a previous episode where he teaches lunette a lesson about hey sometimes the world sucks and you just gotta live with it (laughs) it may not go your way but that's all right and he's basically like the clown repairman of the city that they're in or whatever and they basically hype him up as someone that is like close to granny garbanzo and major bedhead and there's no way to mince this Granny Garbanzo and Wobbly have some serious sexual tension with each other.
2: Absolutely. The way they were talking to each other <laughs> in this episode, as well as the Wobbly episode, you can tell I was just like, they oh fuck. <laughs>
1: uh, don't you mean sexual clownshin? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm definitely going to post a clip of that to Twitter because you guys just got to see that shit for yourselves
2: absolutely and so then major bedhead comes in and like this weird tux outfit and so then granny garbanzo is like oh i've had the beets with my greatest crop this year so that means that's all we're going to eat
0: and everybody's just fine with it they don't make any jokes about beets being gross In fact, they're, like, super excited about it for some reason.
2: Yeah, the major bedhead is like, well, you can't beat that. and making a pun. I'm just like, they're hypnotized by the power of beats. (laughs) Whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me this
1: kids show acknowledged that vegetables can be tasty? And not just any kids show, a kids show in the 90s? (laughs) I refuse to believe it. It doesn't exist. It's a myth. I mean, I do like beets, but the
2: way they're acting about them, they're just like, oh my god, this is going to be the best meal ever!
0: At least they don't try to demonize junk food completely by saying, yeah. all junk food is bad, and if you like it, you're worse than Satan. <laughs> like how some shows do, you know, like, cough, cough, lazy town, cough, cough.
1: <laughs> Which, first of all, I never understood what the deal with kids' shows and broccoli is. Because broccoli really is pretty fucking good, it turns out. Yeah, it's how you prepare it, basically. It really does depend on how you prepare it. I mean, like steamed, like baked broccoli with seasoning on it, broccoli
2: cheddar soup, broccoli chicken Alfredo pasta, shit's great. There was a Tumblr post I saw once that explained that the reason so many kids hate broccoli is because white parents completely ruined how to make it, and they made it into, like, the most bland-tasting piece of crap without any seasoning or whatever, so... They just steamed it without
1: doing anything else to it, and they were like, oh, here you go, Timmy, eat it up. No wonder fucking... Kids in the 90s hated that shit. Yeah. (laughs) We grew up with a very bad relationship with vegetables. If our parents just knew how to season
2: shit, we would be on a totally different path. The moral of Big Comfy Couch Kids, season your fucking shit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They may be white, but they're not that white.
2: (laughs) White people colonize half the world for spices and won't even use them. (laughs) And then speaking of colonialism, I guess.
0: Wait, 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 wait. Clown-onialism.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, the podcast has been canceled. Hooray! <laughs> so then Lunette is like, hey, who's that plate for? And so then Granny Garbanzo is like, oh, this is a plate for everybody who can't be here today. And I apologize for I'm butchering the Eastern European accent. I promise that's not my intention. <laughs> So then she's also like, it's also for all the people who don't have enough food. And I'm like, why don't we just give them food then?
1: (laughs) Oh, so this is a hunger PSA. Great. Thank you for making me feel guilty for eating.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Guess what, kids? Poverty, famine, and death all exist in this universe.
1: Yay!
2: (laughs) Poverty, famine, and death exist, kids, and it's your fault! Yay! (laughs) So then they zoom in on the plate and begin telling the story of the Feast of Fools, when I'll have to say, those strongs are actually really cute. I kind of like the little watercolor design to them.
0: Yeah, I did like that a lot. That was actually very soothing to look at.
2: Yeah. Plus, I've noticed that whenever they do like a story time segment in this show, they always seem to illustrate it themselves, and it always looks really neat. It always looks really comforting.
0: God, Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Always has this nice watercolor design to it that really makes it stick out and kind of gives you a visual, even if you can't quite read yet. So that's cool. So basically how the Feast of Fools happened was that a long time ago a bunch of clowns lived in a village where there was very little food, and so they were basically starting arguments with each other every day and being like, You're the reason we don't have any fucking food and shit. And then suddenly these traveling clowns come in one day and they're like, Don't worry guys. Is it okay if I butted real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. So it's the Republican Party. <laughs>
1: just constantly point fingers and blame everyone else instead of actually fixing the problem at hand
0: (laughs) up 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 clown publican
1: oh republic clown yay yes
2: (laughs) All right, continue, kitty. (laughs) And so then the clowns are like, yes, you do. You just need to bring whatever you have all together for a feast. And then everybody will have enough food for one goddamn night. I'm like, you know, it's a nice sentiment and all. It's a nice sentiment about coming together and helping each other. But I just really wanted it to end with them finding out, like, it's the clown upper class that's keeping them from eating. And then they all just go and fucking kill them. It's like, I just wanted it to end like that SNL sketch where Dana Carvey plays George. Bailey, and they all go beat the shit out of Mr. Potter. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, wait a minute. You
1: guys are traveling clowns. Why don't you just go to a town with food and bring it to us? Why are you telling us to bring the food together? The problem is we don't have
2: that. It's like, oh, you guys gotta learn the lesson. Come together. It's totally not propaganda to keep people in poverty or anything. (laughs) Like, okay, we came together. We still have no food. What do we do now?
0: It's funny, though, because one thing they do say is that apparently each clown had enough food for everybody, so you can't tell me that these clowns were hiding at least some food from people. Like, motherfucker, you have food? psh, psh. psh. <laughs> and then they all just, a fight breaks out and they all start killing each other.
2: And then they ate the clowns. <laughs> the end. You can tell at some point there was some clown able over there.
0: <laughs> uh- <laughs> <laughs> We are just going to clown town on these puns.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh. And so then it cuts back to Granny Garbanzo saying, it's a celebration of how we're all together. And then Lunette's like, not everybody. Auntie Macassar couldn't make it. And it's like, yeah, the, because Auntie Macassar is basically the uncle traveling mat of the universe where she's always writing back to Lunette about her travels and she never stays in one place. So it had been a while since I saw any
1: big comfy couch stuff on this so when i first saw this i thought she was dead <laughs> i thought they just dropped it on us that fucking auntie Casser is fucking dead and it suddenly just <laughs> got super emotional and i'm like oh shit this is like going somewhere <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's funny because i've seen this episode so many times as a kid That it only just dawned on me that that's how that scene plays out.
1: Like, they're acting like she's dead.
0: (laughs) And then Major Bedhead's like, oh, well, don't worry, Lunette, because I got a package from Annie Macassar. And then the package starts shaking and they put it on the table conveniently for some reason. I don't know why. Probably not because they wanted to save special effects budgets or something. But then, all of a sudden, a hand pops out, and guess who it is, guys?
1: Auntie Macassar. Auntie Macassar.
0: Wrong. It's Uncle Chester from the last two seasons. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, it's it's Auntie Macassar. So,
1: seeing her come out of that box, and then everyone's like, oh my god, Auntie Macassar is here. I was like, wait, aren't you supposed to be dead
0: <laughs> no, it's funny though because at first her hand pops out and it's at like a normal size and she does like the okay hand symbol and I'm like half expecting an MST3K reference.
2: It stinks.
0: And then when she pops out, like she starts off small and then she starts like growing larger and larger. <laughs>
2: Well, I guess that kind of explains how when she arrived, she wasn't gasping for air, but (laughs) like, (laughs) shit, I was trapped in a goddamn box. (laughs) At that point, she would be
1: dead. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they just shake the box and out pops Auntie McCaster's, like, fucking rotting corpse.
0: I remember their Christmas episode where they make a snowman and they're all just like rolling like different pieces of snow. Like they're putting the torso and the head together. And then at the end, Auntie Macassar just bursts out of the snowman. So (laughs) the whole time they were just playing with her disembodied head.
2: It's like the snowman once it built like a portal for her. It's like, what the fuck? (laughs) I think she's just straight up a demon.
1: She cannot die or be killed, much like Molly. Yes, we stand her. <laughs>
0: No, seriously, Annie McCaster is a queen.
2: Absolutely. And so then Granny Maravonzo brings out the beet meal, and I was just looking at it like, that's supposed to be the meal? Was, it's like some gelatin with a bunch of raw beets all over it. I'm like,
1: um... Oh, so we're in the 60s now. <laughs> 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 when gelatin was first invented and every single recipe was put in this thing that would normally be okay... And make it gelatin. Yeah. So she went, She just got this shit straight up from like a 1960s cookbook.
0: I just remembered too, we didn't bring up Snickle Fritz yet. <gasps>
1: oh he yeah! cat's Snickle Fritz! He's a good boy. He's a good boy. He'd sit at the table and he'd be a good boy. On this podcast, if there
2: are any pets in a show, we automatically love them. Damn straight. Absolutely. And then he and Molly are both thinking donuts and I was just like... Can a cat even eat donuts? You know what? He's a good cat and he deserves them. Hey, just no chocolate.
0: <laughs> I don't know if he's supposed to be half clown, half cat or not.
2: So maybe he can eat chocolate?
0: Yeah. A wizard did it.
2: Yeah. You know what? It's a world full of clowns.
0: Just repeat to yourself. It's just a show. I should really just relax.
2: Yay! And so then they sing a song about how yum, just say yum, yum. You
0: gotta say yum. 呀 yeah. yeah. CLOWN GOSPEL! CLOWN
2: GOSPEL! CLOWN SPULL! That song does slap.
0: We talked about Tabora Johnson singing backing vocals with Rick James, but she goes all out on this performance.
1: Absolutely. Holy crap. I think we should have had Rick James doing backing vocals here. <laughs> <laughs> now I just want to see Rick James in her red nose going, I'm Rick James, bitch! Cocaine is a hell of a drug!
0: Also, speaking of gay icons, Ante McCaster's definitely a gay icon too.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. absolutely, yes. She
0: has to be at this point. And then this is the big song and dance number two. And it's worth pointing out that while everyone is dancing, Snicklefritz and Molly are just sitting at the table awkwardly because <laughs> they just didn't feel like doing puppetry for making them dance.
2: Like if you see them closely, they're doing the little bop like this. Dun, dun. It's like <laughs> you know what, they
0: They couldn't even be bothered to just do stop motion of Molly and <laughs> Snicklefriends dancing with everybody. But if they did, we would have complained about it anyway, so nobody wins.
2: <laughs> and then they just put out a plate of donuts for both of them and they're like, Well that paid off, I guess. <laughs> And so then at the end, it shows everybody cleaning up, and then Lunette and Auntie Macassar are saying their goodbyes. And then Auntie Macassar is like, "Yeah, I'm going back on my travels because." And then it's just basically your average, "Oh, I don't want to say goodbye, but okay, I will." And so then, Lunette, you realize
1: Auntie Macassar
2: has a life outside of you, right? <laughs> if Auntie Macassar is the Uncle Traveling Matt of this universe, does that mean she's been to the human world? Does that mean she calls them silly creatures as well?
1: i want to be where the people are i want to see want to see their noses
0: (laughs) (laughs) so anyway they get back to the couch and then they do the 10 second tidy which did anybody count how long the 10 second tidy was in this episode
1: I did not.
0: It's never 10 seconds on this show. You know what? I'm going to go count it right now. So just hold on a second because I have it pulled up in iMovie.
2: And then before that, Lunette's like talking about how, oh, we left Wobbly and Granny Garbanzo with all the dishes and that they just don't go back to that. I was just like, okay, I guess we just left them. All right. (laughs) Bye-bye. Classic BoJack Horseman apology.
0: It's funny, too, because (laughs) Wobbly never shows up after this episode ever again.
1: Well, he died.
0: And it sucks, too, because he's such a fun character in the episodes that he's in. Like, I feel like they wanted to make him, like, a recurring character, but... I guess something happened with the actor or whatever.
2: I guess maybe also it was around the time he was gonna be in the Jim Jarmusch films I mentioned earlier, so maybe it was just scheduling conflicts or something. It's like, yeah, I'm going to Hollywood, so I guess I don't really need to be doing little Canadian series anymore. (laughs) But it's a kind of a shame because that would have been fun to see a revisit. (laughs)
1: Fuck Canada, I'm going to Hollywood where I have to pay an arm and a leg just to get my broken leg fixed goodbye you free healthcare lamos
0: Gary farmer is the guy who plays wobbly so shout out to him
2: yeah
0: okay so I just counted and that 10 second tidy segment was 23 seconds those lying <laughs> bastards
2: Lunette you lying slut <laughs> hashtag release the 10 second cut
0: <laughs> lunette you ignorant slut <laughs> <laughs>
2: If it takes you that long to tidy up, that's totally fine. It usually takes me an entire day just to clean my bathroom because I have ADHD, but come on, damn it, don't lie to us. Lunette, if you were the
1: president, CNN would have to cut away mid-speech every fucking time you say even a word. (laughs) Ahem, ahem.
0: Meanwhile, Lunette's followers are just losing their shit right now. No, she's gonna be fine. They just have to do a recount. She's gonna be okay, you guys. (laughs) We're gonna have four more years. It's gonna be okay. We're not gonna let those lib clowns take this away from us.
1: I have always found Molly very attractive. I've always said if she was not my doll, I would be dating her. (laughs)
2: Oh, God. And then Luna, after she reaches 10, she'll be like, Stop the count! Stop the count! (laughs) For some reason, the ending song, right after they start to take their nap at the end of every episode, for some reason, that ending song for a while kind of got me feeling really sad inside for some reason. I'm not sure why. I guess it was just like, I don't know, maybe it hit me at the right point. And then, of course, it ends with like, And the clown jumped over the moon! And then (laughs) sadness over.
1: What? One thing I want to say about the credits is that they're really fucking way too fast. I can't read shit on them. As soon as I get halfway through reading, what, it's gone. They're so fast, how am I supposed to acknowledge the lovely people who put their heart and soul into this show if their names are like flying by at 90 miles an hour?
0: How else am I gonna know the names of the Foley family?
2: Exactly. Yes. Like, the great Muppet caper took time to say, those are the people who make this movie. And they, they took time to acknowledge the credits. It's like, just let the them slowly go by. <laughs> See, now I won't know who
1: the Foley family is. Who am I supposed to send death threats to? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> by the way, consider this our docs. The names of the Foley family are Jim, Eileen, and Andy. So... Oh. As if they aren't rotting in some dumpster right now.
1: All right, I'm going to start working on the death threats right now. (laughs) (laughs) What's the address of that dollhouse?
0: (laughs) I do have one thing I want to say about the credits. For the longest time, I'm not sure why, but I just associated the credits with the little Caesar catchphrase, pizza, pizza. (laughs) Pizza. Probably because I thought of the mascot of Little Caesars as a clown for some reason. Because even as a three-year-old, my brain was warped somehow, so...
1: I always thought when I was a kid that he was, like, some sort of weird
2: elephant rhinoceros creature. For some reason, when I was a kid, I always thought he was from the far side for some reason. And then he was, like, one of their spin-off characters. Like, how Fred Flintstone became the Fruity Pebbles character. <laughs> it's kind of like how when
1: I was a kid... I thought the Simpsons were like aliens or that Lisa and Maggie were like triceratopses. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so now that Lunette and Molly have gone on the sleepland, how about we take a late night trip to the Channel KRT toy store?
2: Woo, it's like 7-Eleven minus the alcohol. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because every 90s kids shows gave into the demands of clown pedalism. <laughs> leave it to the big comfy couch to have some iconic merch of its own and with me right now i have a big comfy couch lunette the clown doll being sold on etsy by your mother's basement (laughs) and if you guys take a look at it it is honestly very creepy like we were just talking about haunted dolls this is probably haunted as well because it does get Allison Quartz likeness a little bit, but it's just very Uncanny Valley-ish.
2: It felt like they were trying to go way too much for a 50s style in the worst possible way. It looks like a bootleg doll. <laughs> remember when mcdonald's sold those wizard of oz toys that were like his little dolls those were scary (laughs) it looks like they were trying to do that but even fucking creepier (laughs) and of course it's called your mother's basin (laughs) (laughs)
0: all right so who's next
1: uh do you want to go next randy i would love to go next as earlier i mentioned that i had a book that was based off the show well I just did some googling as we were recording, and I found it. Huzzah! The book is called It's Mine, a book about sharing. And I'm trying to see if I can, like, look at some pages. All I can find is one where Molly yells at Snicklefritz and is like, Don't get in the way! Can't you see this game is mine? (laughs) Girl,
2: Snicklefritz is a cat. Check yourself. One of the episodes I did watch earlier to kind of get more of a background and kind of refresh myself on the show, I was called This Little Piggy. It was about where Lunette starts turning into a greedy little fuck because she finds her piggy bank and then she, like, wants to keep all the coins for herself and then fucking everybody's all, come on, let me play with them. And it's like, I'm torn between considering Lunette to be a greedy little fuck and at the same time being like, that's her money, bitch. Don't touch it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Both sides are bad.
2: This book is uh, illustrated. It's not
1: live set pictures. It's all...
0: And it's not illustrated in the good art style from the show when they do the storytime segment. It's just a lot more smeared.
1: It's like a realistic oil painting style. And I'm not a fan, I gotta say. Yeah, it doesn't do anything for me. It's uh...
0: (laughs) That doesn't really look like Alice in Court to me.
1: It's very weird and unsettling. That's probably why I barely remember the book.
2: (laughs) And so then, what I managed to steal, I mean, buy from the store, (laughs) I found also a toy the big comfy couch plush set where it's basically the big comfy couch and inside it it has a lunette doll it has a molly doll a snickle fritz plush and the fuzzy and wuzzy aka the dust bunnies plushies and you know all the snickle fritz and the dust bunny plushies look okay minus the dust bunnies having O faces for some fucking <laughs> reason hey this is a kid's show guys <laughs> And then on top of that, like, Molly and
1: Lunette looked deflated. I was like, whoa, God, they've been flattened! Real quick, so I just looked up Snickle Fritz on Google so I could see the plushie, and I just found out that there is a marijuana strain called Snickle Fritz. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Holy shit!
1: It's a hybrid, and I'm looking at a picture of a little bud of Snickle Fritz. It's nice and orange. It's really nice looking, so, uh... If anyone's trying to sell some Snickle Fritz, hit me up. But the Snicklefritz plushie is so cute. Yeah.
0: Speaking of Snickle Fritz, I just found another Big Comfy Couch plush that I'm about to send you guys, where Snicklefritz looks very unkempt and very defeated.
2: Aww, more Snicklefritz. <laughs>
1: Snickle Fritz is done with 2020.
2: <laughs> By the way, who wants to guess how much that Big Comfy Couch plush set is?
0: Too much.
2: More than it's worth. <laughs> with $25 shipping. All right,
0: I was right.
2: Yay, more than it's worth.
0: (laughs) And now, good friends, we ask ourselves that immortal question. Do we keep the tapes for nostalgic purposes or do we erase them?
2: Honestly, a huge keep the tapes for me. This show, you know, as much as I do kind of make fun of it, it really has a perfect charm to it and just everybody gives their all in the show. It's rare to see a show that really manages to play the whole adult playing a kid and not make a creepy element well, and it just has a lot of charm to it. The puppetry is especially really good for a low-budget kids show. It's just really enjoyable, honestly, and I think that everybody in the show deserves their credit for it, and I'm really glad it's well-remembered.
1: I... I'm gonna say save it for nostalgic purposes. Maybe I do have some nostalgic bias towards it as it was pretty much the first ever show I was really obsessed with. And you know what? I make fun of it, but at least it's like really entertaining to riff on. Never a dull moment with the show. You can tell that the people who worked on it were giving it their all and it's just, it's great. I like it. I have a bit of an attachment to it and I can see why everyone else who watched it also does. So you know what? save the tape
0: well guys i hate to break it to you but we gotta cook this thanksgiving dinner somehow so i gotta burn all the tapes <laughs> no i'm kidding it's a it's a huge keep the tapes for me because again this is a show i'm really nostalgic for and every time i find myself coming back to it i also just find myself being like kind of sued by it and again the humor is very good for like a half-baked low-budget kids show and everybody like kitty and randy said puts their all into it and i just love it i love everything about this show looking back as an adult now. So, definitely gonna have to keep the tapes for this.
1: Personally, I recommend you smoke some Snickle Fritz before you watch Snickle Fritz. Yes! That's an extra layer of fun.
2: <laughs> One burn the tapes, I'll say burn everything of the last season. Burn every single bit of it.
0: Yeah, burn every tape from that god-awful last season. And you know what? This isn't the episode we watched, but keep the tapes for the Wobbly episode, too. Yes. <laughs> Just for the sexual tension of Granny and Wobbly.
1: Just burn the Foley's. Burn the
2: Foley's and that's it. Except for Dave Foley. He's good.
0: And so we come to the conclusion of our wonderful Thanksgiving feast. Thank you guys for listening as always. Uh, And with that, I do have some plugs for you guys. So you can find me on Twitter at TylerFG, Instagram at TylerFG96. And because I've been really bad at this, I'm also going to plug our channel KRT socials. You can find us at channel underscore KRT on Twitter.
2: And then you can also find us on the Channel KRT fan group on Facebook, so you're welcome to join that.
0: As well as the Channel KRT podcast Instagram at Channel KRT Podcast, all one word. As always, be sure to like and subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, spread the word to your friends, whatever helps, really. Because as always, we are thankful for you, the listener. We love you guys
2: absolutely we're so thankful for you guys and speaking of thanks before we go we also have one more thing we want to plug thanks for magic formed by charlie callahan and Haley baker callahan aka theme snark and trickster bell on twitter and youtube they are currently doing a 36 hour long talent show to help raise funds for laid off cast members from disneyland
0: yeah so thank you charlie and Haley. we will Hopefully have you on the podcast Sunday.
2: So I'm over at Mission Breakout on Twitter, a walking pun on Instagram, and then I may be showing up in the Thanks for Magic episode. You can also find me on several episodes of Escape from Vault Disney and hopefully some more, including our recent crossover on Escape from Vault Disney, which should be up by the time this episode is aired. It'll be on The Great Muppet Caper. Go check that out. It was a lot of fun to record, and we look forward to meeting more amazing fans. And it was just a lot of fun to do and we look forward to doing more with tony and gang in the future
0: fingers crossed hey who knows maybe we'll have him on the show someday wink wink
1: uh you can find me uh cosmic rewind on twitter replace the the th- th- replace the e with the three uh you can also find me at no context harley quinn and no context tgif you can also uh, listen to me on the Sunny with a Chance Halloween episode on Escape from Vault Disney and the
2: upcoming channel KRT Escape from Vault Disney crossover. And then with that all said, we just wanted to say thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for every listen, share, and retweet on Twitter. Thank you so much for all your support, and we hope you all have a happy Thanksgiving. Stay safe, wash your hands, stay masked. As always, we'll see you on the next Nostalgia Trip.
0: Yep, so with that all in mind, with this wonderful metaphorical Thanksgiving feast in front of us that we're going to dive into now, Channel KRT, cut to static.
1: Don't you mean clown to static? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. All right, we're done. (laughs) da 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 da